Hear that? That's the sound of change being cooked up in our schools. Each day, school food professionals throughout California are working to make better meals for our kids, one tray at a time. These meal planning, sauce stirring, taste bud training professionals are making food for students from kindergarten to high school using fresher ingredients and flavors kids love. The secret ingredient to better school food in California? The dedicated professionals who are improving it every day. Learn more about how they're cooking up change at schoolfoodpros.org. Grant provided by California Community College's Chancellor's Office. Welcome back to the Foreign Desk. I'm Lisa Daftari. This week, as it we enter the third week of Iran protests, we want to give some coverage to the freedom fighters on the streets of Iran, not just Tehran. We're seeing a lot of action in Khuzestan, the southwestern region of Iran, and all throughout the country as protests are not letting up, as protesters are chanting death to the dictator. And as things move forward, we're not hearing much support from the White House or the main mainstream media and the Iranian people are noticing. And so are those who are supporting them. And uh, to make sense of all of this, we bring in our good friend, Dr. Robert Satloff, executive director of the Washington Institute, one of our favorite think tanks to go to for all things Middle East politics. Welcome to the show, Dr. Satloff. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Dr. Satloff, as you know, um, these videos are coming out by the dozens. We're posting them on our uh, Twitter account at the Foreign Desk, on my personal account. And um, really, there's no shortage of citizen journalism. We cannot, we don't have the excuse of saying we don't have reporters on the ground. We know exactly what's going on. We know that they're 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 shooting point blank at these peaceful protesters that are on the streets. At any cost, they want to get them off the streets, right? Absolutely. I mean, we've seen the Iranian response to popular protest in the past. The Iranian uh, regime um, has no compunction using violent force to kill protesters. Um, uh, and they don't, um, they, they, they tend not to, you know, incrementally move up the ladder of violence. They tend to uh, very quickly resort to um, lethal force against protesters. And that's what we're seeing um, in many of these videos, as, as you say, from all over the country, um, uh, uh, cities around the country dealing with um, uh, uh, not just uh, economic difficulties, climate difficulties, political right. difficulties, it's all coming together. And we're seeing um, uh, you know, people of Iran rising up once again. Right. And you know, what's interesting is that the media dabbled a little bit in, in, in coverage, right? So they'll begin by saying, you know, years ago, it was the egg price protests. It was the bread protests. It was the gas price protests. It was the teachers protests. It was the Bazari protests. It was the truck drivers protests. And now in this current movement, we saw a lot of, um, you know, it, it's the, the price of, of basic foods, which Yes, initially may be the catalyst, but when we're seeing Magbar Khamenei, we're seeing death to Khamenei, we're seeing all sorts of slogans that are not talking about food prices whatsoever. They're calling for the entire regime to be removed, right? We know what they're asking for. They're being very clear, but yet now we hear silence from the media. So I think that's right. I mean, look, food prices may have been a trigger, uh, but they're not the cause. 
of the protests. The protests um, occur periodically in Iran when um, uh, when when people just you know reach the the boiling point that they need to express their just their anger and desire for change. Um, uh, we, we, we've seen this. We saw it up famously, of course, in 2009 uh, with the Green Movement, but we saw it um, um, every other year for the past number of years. Um, uh, and it is, I mean, it, it, fundamentally, it is a desire for, for dramatic and profound political change, not just reform, not just, um, uh, you know, improving the margins of, of, uh, of, of the restrictions that exist but real change. And these are remarkably brave people that are coming out, given what we have seen in the past, the regime's response. So it takes, it takes enormous courage to do what these people are doing. And they, 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 they seem to derive um, confidence from seeing others elsewhere in the country doing it. And, um, and it is now, um, as you said earlier, it is now becoming a nationwide uh, movement that deserves the attention encouragement and support of freedom-loving people here in the United States and around the world. So why aren't they getting it? Well, that's a very good question. And I think there are a lot of reasons that come together. Um, uh, uh, One, there's a lot going on in people's lives. There's a lot going on in our nation's uh, politics. There's a lot going on in our foreign policy. Um, there is a uh, there's a there's a war in Europe, um, which is uh, um, occupying uh, the attention of major policymakers. There is. Um, Wait, can I stop you for a second? And I don't I never want to cut you off because I want you to continue. But the only pushback, because I know you'll probably you are on the same page, is does it really take a lot? They're not asking for 40 billion like the Ukrainians. They're not asking for weapons. You know, we know what they're asking for. They're asking for one statement from the White House. They know what it takes to cause this movement to rapidly accelerate into, I don't want to use the word revolution, but perhaps revolution. So, um, look, you're right to go where you just went. I was eventually going to get there. That in the end- I'm sorry. No, that's fine. But with all the reasons why it's not happening, you can pile up all the reasons on this side as to why we aren't, our government is not taking the right measures, saying the right things. Um, uh, and none and none of them adequately explain why the White House spokesperson um, can't, in the name of the president, um, uh, 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 issue a statement um, siding with uh, the people of Iran in their quest for um, for free speech, free assembly, um, all the rights, the universal liberties and rights um, uh, for which the United States proudly stands. Um, that is, I think, the first order American response. There are other items that we should be doing as well. Um, I think we should be uh, working with uh, with tech companies, um, especially our tech companies, to ensure that um, uh, that there aren't um, arbitrary restrictions on the videos and other right. postings of um, of the protesters, while at the same yeah. time regime officials have access to their own platforms without restriction. Yes, um, yes. and I we hope Elon Musk is, is listening and we'll make changes to that. I hope Elon that. Musk is listening. We, I hope uh, Mr. Zuckerberg is listening. I hope lots of yeah. people are listening. Um, right. um, I think we should make sure 
that um, uh, that our diplomats around the region are amplifying the uh, the voices that we hear from Iran and are posting on various embassy websites um, that mm -hmm. exist throughout the Middle East. Um, I would like to see that uh, um, uh, U.S. government media and U.S. government information sources are um, are um, uh, are platforms that amplify the voices. Um, coming from the streets of, uh, of Iran. There are other things that we can do, but it begins with, as you noted, it begins with a clear statement of support, sympathy, and encouragement from our highest political leadership. You know, and what's, what's mind-boggling to me, Dr. Satloff, is that it just takes a statement. They don't need to call for regime change. The Trump administration, that was extremely critical of the regime, did not call for regime change, but they did call them out. So for example, you have an Al Jazeera reporter who was killed um, in, in uh, Jenin, uh, you know, the loss of life anywhere, obviously, is, is, is a horrific thing and, and deserves, you know, attention. But you have so much attention on this one reporter's death. Uh, you have, you know, international uh, communes coming together. They want to, you know, investigate this. You have all sorts of acronymed organizations wanting to look into her death. But then we have these, you know, uh, protesters who were killed. You have the building coming down in Abadan. You have, you know, the, the regime shooting at peaceful protesters. And there's no statement to be made. So my, my assumption is that there are some in the administration who fear that uh, publicly encouraging or siding with the protesters will adversely impact whatever chance remains for an Iran nuclear agreement. Um, uh, uh, a reluctance to add more pressure on the Iranians that might spook them into walking away from the table. My view on this is exactly the opposite, is that um, uh, uh, while it won't be determinative, any additional pressure on Iran is likely to push them a little bit more toward reaching an agreement, not away from reaching an agreement. Um, and we shouldn't handcuff ourselves from doing the right thing when Iranians are standing up for their universal rights and liberties just because we have this misplaced fear about the potential impact, which I think is, you know, wrong analysis and doesn't doesn't appreciate the real dynamic of negotiation that is going on. So I think we have a bad analysis on this if it exists. And I would like us to see us take a much more public position, uh, embracing, encouraging, supporting uh, the protesters. Right. And to your point, this morning we had on the Foreign Desk News that the IAEA, which is the watchdog group from the UN, which is incredibly kind to Iran's regime, right? Um, not heavily critical. The, the UN has always put them in charge of uh, all sorts of committees on uh, human rights and women's rights, which is a joke. But to, to make the point that they've been extremely kind to Iran's regime, and all of a sudden they came out and said that they have enriched uranium to 18 times the level at which it was allowed for the 2015 JCPOA, the Iran nuclear deal, under President Obama. So to your point, giving them this freedom or having this 
fear has turned this spoiled child into a very rogue regime that it, you know it just begins to you know flex its muscles in the region supporting more terrorism cracking down on on uh, its uh, peaceful protesters you know not obeying human rights not obeying any sort of uh, you know international uh, you know just behaving in a way that would merit normalizing relations at the nuclear uh, negotiation table. Uh, and yet, you know, this is, you know, it's such, it's like opposite day at the White House every single day with the foreign policy here. Well, we can have an interesting debate on whether or not the U.S. should pursue a renewal of the Iran nuclear deal. Uh, my point is that even if we want to pursue a renewal of the nuclear deal, we're more likely to get that agreement if we put more and more pressure on the Iranians, not if we relieve pressure on the Iranians. And so we should be supporting those in Iran who are calling for change and freedom and universal rights and liberties. We shouldn't be withholding our support. Right, we should be right, embracing right. this. Uh, right. It is point, much point more likely to achieve yeah. what the administration says it wants to achieve. And, right. and, and so I, 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 I don't see the logic, even from the administration's point of view, of withholding. Right. Well, they don't believe in, in using leverage. They, they believe in using appeasement. And that has, you know, um, been proven many times over as being the third term of the um, Obama administration in well, many ways. I, I, I don't go that far. That's that's not my critique. But No, I, I said it. You didn't say it. Yeah. I know. Okay. I, I only... When we when we are referring to the way that they're dealing with the Iran regime, the way that they are very very you know um, enthusiastic, for lack of a better word, about getting this deal, even at the cost of really national security, global security, and of course the Iranian people who are telling us we don't want the deal, we don't want the deal because it will em embolden our government to shoot at peaceful protesters, and that's what they're telling us. You know, they're, they. The one thing, again, we'll say it again, the Iranian people are speaking to us and now they have the means. If they have to go by proxy uh, or by different software to get on Twitter, to get on Telegram, they're telling us their story. Uh, and, you know, we can do our best to tell it, but it's not going to get us that statement from the uh, White House podium, very unfortunately. Dr. Satloff, um, what will it take for the Iranians themselves, if they're not going to get that support from the White House, what will it take for them to overthrow this regime, or at least take this movement to the next step? That's a very good question. Look, you know, as I said earlier, there's, it's remarkable bravery. We saw the images the last time around in 2009, where people gunned down in the streets um, uh, um, uh, uh, mercilessly. Um, uh, and then, you know, um, you know, so many Iranian young people sort of gave up gave up on the prospect of of uh, of political change because of the brutality of the regime but now there's another i don't want to say a whole generation but it's it's it, now we have this 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 whole new group that is willing to to face um, the brutality mm -hmm. of the regime um, uh, ultimately ultimately it will take just a lot more you know continued courage um, uh, uh, in 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 city after city, in province after province, um, when okay. more and more Iranians um, begin to recognize that the regime itself is truly crumbling, um, crumbling under the weight of its own contradictions, crumbling under the weight of its own incompetence, crumbling under the weight of its own 
corruption. Um, uh, uh, it may change may come remarkably swift um, in a way that you know outsiders won't even begin to to see that it's it's happening so swiftly. And we, we, we're trained ourselves, you know, to, to think it's almost impossible that these things can can change. Actually, they, they can change um, with with uh, dramatic uh, speed. Um, uh, mm-hmm. um, so again, it's it's not for us to to in my view. Um, uh, I, I, and I don't think that this administration or the last administration, as you pointed out, advocates for regime change. The people of Iran themselves are going to, um, uh, uh, through their courage and bravery, are going to bring about political change in that country. Our job is to support their right and freedom and liberty to call and act for that change, which is what they are doing with their lives at the moment. We should be supporting that. You know, um, devil's advocate would say, well, in 1979, the United States inserted itself. And the what's interesting is you brought up a whole new generation of protesters. Uh, and as many people may not know, two-thirds of the population, that's the going statistic, uh, is under the age of, let's say, 40, was 42 years ago, 43 years ago when the, when the revolution happened, uh, meaning they have this faux nostalgia for a time under the period of the Shah. I say that about myself, too. Born in the United States to Iranian parents, uh, never obviously experienced. I was born after the revolution, but I also have a sense of faux nostalgia for the period, time period under the Shah, because that is those are the, the you know, romantic stories that our parents tell us and that's the people of Iran that you're seeing on the streets are actually calling for the return of the Shah or talking about the Shah's father and again saying you know rest in peace or may his soul rest in peace be blessed Um, these are the chants that we're hearing on the streets of Iran they are recalling a better time a time that they did not experience in their lifetime Uh, yes I mean I'm uh, there's there there's quite remarkable chanting that one hears of death to Khamenei, uh, uh, down with the regime, um, uh, bring back uh, uh, the Shah, um, the Shah is our leader. Um, look, I, I, I have no view on what should be the political um, structure of, uh, 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 of a new Iran. I mean, that's for the people of Iran to decide. Um, uh, the, the, the role of the United States, in my view, should be to give the Iranian people um, the opportunity to determine their own fate. Um, and right now, the Iranian people not only are being denied the opportunity to determine their own fate, they're being killed for expressing the view that they should even have a voice in determining their own fate. And that is an affront to everything the United States stands for. And it's that that the United States should um, take a firm position um, uh, at the highest level um, uh, on that issue. You know, it's it's interesting because, yes, as, as you said, I think the, the one thing that many of these opposition groups, and there are many of them, and perhaps that is one of the criticisms to be made about the opposition, is that there are so many uh, different groups and not one group or one face or one leader. Um, but perhaps that's something that the Iranian people can determine once they get to that point. But the one thing that they all do have in common is they talk about the word secularism and they talk about the word democracy. So they definitely know what they lack in the current regime and wanting to um, you know, replace that with something better. But 
my question to you is, you know, being in Washington and having done this for many decades, do you think that if there were to be one secular democratic uh, alternative um, that would be, you know, viable, that would be, you know, um, that that the administration, the Biden or Trump or Obama administration or before that Bush or whoever um, in the past 42 years, that there would be a better chance at at confronting the current regime or at least giving support to, you know, like what we did in Venezuela, you know, or what we did in many other situations um, throughout throughout history uh, with U.S. foreign policy. But is there, would there be a better chance for the people if there were one group to deal with? So clearly, you know, the more unity there is among the opponents of the Iranian regime, the greater the likelihood that the world would rally behind that alternative. Um, uh, uh, at the same time, I think we should recognize that uh, that the appetite for um, uh, uh, you know deep American um, uh, uh, um, uh, advocacy for overthrowing um, uh, uh, you know even an adversary a terrible adversarial regime is pretty slim these days. Um, and it's fed partially by the disunity of the opposition, but that's not the only thing that feeds it. Um, uh, my, my my sense is that, you know, the Iranian people, they would settle for an America that stands firmly on their right to speak up and speak out, that they don't need the 82nd Airborne to come in and solve their um, their their political uh, problems. What right. what they would derive great sustenance from is knowing that the world's leading democracy, the world's o oldest democracy, stands firmly on the side of the people's call for change. That's it. That's what the president should do, and that I think would have a powerful impact on the people, and it would have a powerful impact on the regime too. Now, do you think we're seeing um, a reluctance by the media because of the message of the White House or going back to your list of, you know, they're busy? And So I, I would say both. I mean, you know, if, if the White House wanted to make this a tier one issue, then the media would reflect that, uh, you know, the, the way um, the communications apparatus of the White House works. I mean, if, if the White House wanted to, to say that this, you know, we want to put a spotlight on this and this dessert, this is going to get the president's attention. And, you know, this is a big issue. The media would, 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 would reflect it. Um, so I think it's a combination. It's a combination of everything else crowding it out from, from, you know, our own domestic issues, from gun violence to, to inflation, et cetera, to global issues. Um, uh, I think everything begins to crowd it out. And there is a sense, I mean, I mean, Iran, Iran is an, is, 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 a, is an A18 story these days. It's not a front page story. It, right. it deserves greater attention, um, but somebody's got to put it there and it has to jump over a lot of other stories to get there. Um, right. uh, uh, it deserves a lot more than it's getting. You know, and my last question to you, again, being in Washington and, you know, there's two types of foreign policy experts that I talk to. And um, 
all of them being in Washington and having a front row seat like yourself, um, being privy to a lot of the foreign policy discussions and decisions that are made. And one school of thought is that doesn't matter who's in the White House, it could be the most far right or far left president, our foreign policy, particularly vis-a-vis -vis the Middle East, pretty much stays the same course. Now, you might hear things that are kind of uh, tangential in, in the media, but our main, the, the, the meat, and, meat and potatoes of our, uh, of our foreign policy stays the same. And there's another school of thought, obviously, that says, you know, the Iranian people should just wait until perhaps 2024, our next uh, election, and perhaps we will get a Republican or um, more Iran-friendly, I'm talking about Iranian people, and, and regime-reverse um, administration will be in power, and they will then have the uh, ability, uh, you know, authority, desire to make some sort of you know, um, impetus for the Iranian people to start a real movement. So my view after being in Washington now since 1985 and being director of this think tank for 30 years is waiting for any particular election would be a historic mistake. Um, it would be a mistake for the Iranian people to think that American foreign policy is going to dramatically change um, on this issue with any potential outcome. Um, they need to take, I mean, if it's up to them, of course, but uh, if, if, if it's their future that they're committed to, um, they can't wait for us. Um, they can determine our policy by their actions. They should not wait for Washington to, to change cassettes, to play a different tune for them to start to do something, because they'll be waiting a very long time. You know, just to, to follow up on that question, it's, it's as though they're hearing the stories of their parents who used the, 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 you know, the President Carter's name as synonymous with the revolution that happened in 79. And perhaps it's this, whether you want to call it, um, you know, the, 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 the Cliff Notes version of, of the, the revolution for them or a myth, regardless of, I mean, depending on how, how you feel about that, um, you know, they, they truly believe that it was the timing of having President Carter in the White House support you know, the, the overthrow of the Shah or it wouldn't have happened or it wouldn't have happened as quickly or it wouldn't have happened as easily to bring in Khomeini's uh, yeah, regime. So, I, you know, I think that, that uh, many people around the world, especially but not solely in the Middle East, think that uh, um, decisions that are made, you know, within a three or four block radius of the White House, um, uh, uh, you know, govern everything all the time, that, that uh, Washington is a set of, um, you know, puppeteers controlling the destiny of billions of people. I'm afraid it doesn't work that way. Um, uh, 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 which is not to say that that, that we're irrelevant, um, but uh, um, by and large, um, peoples, um, nations, governments are masters of their own fate. Um, uh, uh, um, could we have made different decisions at different moments? Certainly, um, but I think it's a mistake to, uh, to suggest that um, uh, uh, the Iranian revolution was decided or was a result of, you know, uh, because we had this president or that president in November of 79. Um, I, don't, I don't think that was the case. Um, and so to today, the Iranian people are making their decisions, are rising up without, you know, without relevance to whether it's uh, Joe Biden or Donald Trump sitting in the White House, they're rising up because of their own impetus, 
driven by their local situation. We should respect that. We should support that. Thank you so much, Dr. Satloff. Thank you for being with us. You can follow Dr. Satloff on Twitter and uh, follow the Washington Institute as well. Thank you for joining us. For those of you who'd like to subscribe to our weekly podcast, go to youtube.com slash Lisa Daftari. And to subscribe to our daily top 10 email, go to foreigndesknews.com and you can subscribe there. See you all next week.